Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. Morning. Okay. Morning. <laughs> so, if you were here last year on the fourth of July, that was the last time I preached. Um, you'll wonder why I preach at the end of the year or the, the school academic year. This is your exam. Okay, you've listened to me for a year in three-minute slots, and this is your listening exam to make sure you understand my accent. Okay. <laughs> If you don't get it today, if you don't pass, you have another, in Colombian teaching law, you have another year of recuperation. Okay, so you have another year to catch on to my accent. And next year, I'll preach again. You have another test. Okay. <clears throat> it's great to see you all here this morning. Today we're going to look at Psalm 62. If you were here last week, you'll know that Justin preached on Psalm 63. I was supposed to preach last week, but I was so busy, we swapped. So we're a bit out of order, but today we're going to cover Psalm 62. Like many of, like many of the Psalms, we read the psalm, psalmist is usually in turmoil and in anguish, and he's been attacked by his enemies. But in this Psalm, we see a little bit of a change. David is actually turning to the Lord before he um, goes to the Lord with his anguish. He's going to the Lord in confidence. Instead of being dragged down by his anguish, he knows for sure, he knows in advance that God is going to look after him and he'll be able to overcome anything that's coming towards him. And it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it, if we lived our lives like that, knowing fine that everything would be fine before the problem actually plays out. But we don't live like that, do we? If, there's any, if you're anything like me, one day you'll start feeling a bit off. A few days later, you'll feel something pressing. And a week later, you've come to the realization that something's not quite right. Um, <clears throat> and if you feel that way as well, you're not alone. The researcher, Lucas Lafreniere, um, he did some research on people that worry. And this is what he said. This is what breaks my heart about worry. It makes you miserable in the present moment to try and prevent misery in the future. For chronic warriors, this process leads them to be continually distressed, all their lives in order to avoid later events that never happen. Worry sucks the joy out of the here and now. And in his experiment, he asks he asks people at 10 p.m. every night just to take a note of all the worries they had that day. And 20 days later, they would revisit all those notes. And what they discovered is that, um, in his study, that 91.4% of their worries never happened. So most of the things we worry about never actually happen. So in conclusion, worrying caused only more misery and did nothing to help the warriors handle whatever they had been worrying about. 
And we spend all of our life just worrying, don't we? Worrying about things that will never happen. It reminds us of the words of Jesus in Matthew 6. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So let us now turn to our psalm today. And let us read through it. And then we'll uh, try and unpack it a little bit more. This is God's word. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He is only my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. O God, rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are, together, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in exhortation. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that you, O Lord, belong steadfast love, for you will render a man according to his work. Let's pray. Dear Father, we give thanks for this wonderful morning. We give thanks for your blessings. Many of us come here today with heavy hearts. Perhaps we're anxious about the world. Often the world doesn't have much to offer us. Or perhaps we put our trust in the world too much and we look for security. But we pray that we'll look to you now. Um, we'll hear your word. Um, your word will speak to us through your Holy Spirit and that our minds and our hearts will be convicted and comforted. We pray for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Some of you today, knowing that you're coming to church, are feeling at peace. You might have woken up like that this morning, knowing that this is the Lord's day. And you're going to come here, and you're going to worship. And you're going to spend time in fellowship with your fellow believers. Some of you might have woken up this morning, you're feeling a bit anxious, but now you're here, you spent time in worship, you confessed your sins, and you're feeling a bit more peaceful. But some of you are feeling restless, you're anxious, you're hearing the words that I speak, but there's things that you've brought into the sanctuary that's causing you to lose focus. Um, your soul is restless. Perhaps you're feeling empty. Perhaps life has sucked everything out of you. And it's just thrown everything at you and you can't take any more. Perhaps you're reaching out to something to fill the empty void in your heart. You can't find it. I love the way this psalm opens. It says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. I'm always in awe of the depth of Scripture, the depth that the written word can go into. Just a few scratches on a piece of paper with some ink can just open our minds to amazing things. 
We try to capture that in movies, don't we? Amazing movies, good acting, good CGI. Um, but we can never capture in movies what we read on paper. Um, what takes hours in movies to capture it can be achieved in just a few words. The words that we read and meditate on in Scripture, they often cut right to our core. With just a word, we can feel a range of emotions and our minds go off on a journey and try and build a picture of what we're reading. We read the words, but at the same time, they are reading us. And they challenge us and cause us to imagine, to reflect, they convict us, and they comfort us. Every word we read develops a larger story. So, for example, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Father, forgive them. It is finished. Be still. And as the psalm starts, my soul waits in silence for God alone. Is your soul at rest? Or do you spend your days and nights restless trying to find or grab onto fleeting moments that pass you by in life? When was the last time you sat in silence? Chances are you can't remember because we're incapable of sitting in silence. Not just a silence where we sit down for a few minutes and think of this and think of that, but a silence and solitude that Jesus practiced when he woke up in the mornings and he went into the hills to find some solitude and pray to his Father. We can't bear to be silent. Many of us spend minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, just filling our time with work, family, and social activities. And these are all good. We were created to work. We were created to be relational. We were created to be social. <clears throat> but when those things dominate our life, and they take us away from what is important in life, and that is spending time with God, being in communion with God, and walking with God, we have to stop, and we have to reflect. Even though we are busy, and we do have some downtime, we don't use it wisely. To fill that silence, what do we do? We take out our devices, and we start scrolling. We look at the news, we watch YouTube, we spend hours on social media, look at photos and videos. And then we put it down because we have something else to do. We never switch off. You may have heard the saying, boredom encourages creativity. We never allow ourselves to become bored long enough to be creative. Our phones tell us um, how much time we spend on them every week. And they even categorize the, the apps that we spend time on. How many hours do we spend on social media every week? Is it one, two, five, ten, twenty? When time is precious in our lives, how can we justify spending ten or twenty hours a week just scrolling? Couldn't that time be used on something else? I actually have to actively delete apps from my phone to stop me spending so much time on my phone. And I'm not, so I'm not judging when I say this. I was sick one week, and I spent 35 hours on YouTube. So the time just passes, 10 minutes here, 30 minutes there, an hour there. And before we know it, we spent 20 or 30 hours a week on our phones. 
You often hear the saying, those on their deathbed never look back and wish they had spent more time at work. I wonder if anyone has led on their deathbed and wish they hadn't spent so much time scrolling, but spent more time making use of the precious time the Lord has given us, looking up, spending time with people in the same room, spending time with the people that need us. Our time is certainly precious, and we should use it wisely, because we don't know how long we have in this world, and it could come to an end quickly. When I hear the words still or silence in the Bible, it reminds me of the words of Psalm 23, which I think everyone is familiar with. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. When we were growing up in Scotland, we used to visit a river in the summer. It's a place called Glen Artney. It's one of those places that no one else knew about. You'd go down a long dirt track, eventually come to a gravel car park. There was no cars. You walk along a green path and you come to a big open green field. And next to that field, there was a river. And in that river, there was small rocks, big rocks, and small pools of water. It was a perfect place to have a picnic in the summer, spend time with family. And I remember um, being with my cousins, my auntie and my uncle, my grandparents, my sister and my mother. And we spent all day there until the sun went down, which is quite late in Scotland. At the top of the, the, there's a hill overlooking the river and the field. And on top of that hill, there's a, an old church. And every, every time we were there, we'd go and visit this church. There's nothing special about the church, just an old, dusty, wooden church. I think a pastor came every two weeks and preached a sermon. And it was just empty the rest of the time. But that was our day. We found peace at the side of the river and we went to visit the church. In December 2011, my mother felt a lump in her throat when she swallowed food. And like many people that know there's something not quite right, they go into denial. And they'll let a few months pass until they go and visit their doctor. My mother was due to retire after spending her life working low-paid, unskilled jobs, even two jobs for many years. She was now at a point in her life after making many poor decisions that she could finally rest. She had a little dog who kept her company and she liked nothing more than her grandchildren coming around to visit her. Just as things were looking good in her life, she was finding rest, she was diagnosed with esophagus and breast cancer and she died six months later. Just before she died, she asked us to take her up to Glen Artney My mother wasn't a practicing Christian. I'm not sure what her relationship was with God before her death. I do wonder what was going through her mind when she was sitting next to that river. Was she thinking about the times we spent there over the decades? Was she trying to come to terms with her cancer and the possibility that she was going to die soon? Did she give some thought to what would happen after death? I don't honestly know. If she wasn't thinking about God, then she must have been just thinking about the solitude she found at the river. Was she at peace? Was she still? Was her soul silent? And it makes you wonder, doesn't it? I wasn't a Christian at the time, but perhaps a little word from us, some company from us, 
and people in their last hours, their last days, um, could make a difference to someone's life if we just focus less on our life and just spend some more time with people and making use of the time that God has given us. After proclaiming his confidence in God, David then goes on to tell us his concern and his state of being. Verse 3 says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? We often find ourselves, don't we, just constantly fighting fires. We're always on the defense, constantly waiting for the next hardship to come where we hope we have enough strength resources and wisdom to overcome it. But wouldn't it be great that instead of fighting fires, we were prepared for what was to come? How do we prepare for the worst? It sounds great on paper, doesn't it? But what about when we can't afford to pay the bills or we can't afford to feed our families or we are a victim of domestic violence or a broken marriage or when ill health and the prospect of death arrives on our doorstep. How do we deal with these things? The question is, are we ready? Or are we leaning a leaning wall or a tottering fence that just needs one more push before it falls over? What causes a wall or a tottering fence to fall or lean? It leans because it isn't firmly secured. It doesn't have a foundation. It doesn't have an anchor. And we see this in the parable of the the building of a house in Matthew chapter 7. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them be like a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. David's trust is in God. He alone is his rock and his salvation, his fortress. He is so confident that there is no way he can be shaken. A fortress is built to defend and attack You don't build defences after you've been attacked. No, you build in preparation. God is our rock and our fortress. He is the one we put our trust in and so can face any situation. Many things in life we'll have to endure. Some of them we wonder if we'll ever get through them. We can't do it by ourselves. We need God to be there for us so we can endure them. Unfortunately, we know that we don't always trust in God, do we? Verse 9 and 10, David says, Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in exhortation. Set no vain hopes in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. He's referring to everyone from the lowest to the highest. He's referring to humanity, so everyone in between. He uses the word breath, which can also mean meaningless. Or as we read in one of my favorite books in the Bible, Ecclesiastes, the word vanity. 
Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What he is really saying is this. Do not put your trust and your hopes in the things of this world. Why? Because the things of this world are only here for a short while. Like James tells us. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So everything is temporary. But we put our trust in the things that God blesses us with. And we turn those things into something that satisfies our sin. God gives us these wonderful things, but we abuse them for the wrong reasons. And even though the things of this world are temporary, we still reach out for them, don't we? We're looking for something that gives us security, comfort, and fills the empty space in our heart that we're so desperate to fill. <clears throat> Many years ago, I remember seeing an image online. I think it could have been at the beginning of the days of the internet, so maybe late 90s. And the picture explains this well. There was four or five cars in a row. And the car at the end, there was someone sitting in it. And this guy probably bought his car. He was very happy with it until he wasn't happy with it because he was looking left to the car next to him. And this car was slightly better than his. So after being satisfied with his car, it doesn't take long for dissatisfaction to grow and he was looking for something else in the car next to him there was also a guy sitting looking left looking at the car next to him which was slightly better he probably loved his car at some point until he wanted to fill another desire and right at the end of this line there was the ultimate car the car that all drivers desire to have and it promised to satisfy their empty hearts everyone in that row of cars longed for something else, something better. Even though they had acquired what they wanted, it didn't take long for dissatisfaction to creep in. Their hearts were never filled. If I have this thing, then I'll be happy. If I have that thing, then my life will be so much better. If I have this amount of money, then my life will be so much more enjoyable. Why do I have to settle for second best when everyone else seems to be getting what I desire? Why do doors keep opening for all the people I know and work with when I am still stuck in the same situation? Because we desire more, we spend our lives just being eaten away. We are never satisfied. We put all of our trust in the things of this world to feed an urge, to feed a desire. If our sinful hearts are only satisfied for a short while, like someone that has an addiction, the urge starts to wear off when the drug starts to wear off. <clears throat> for years, I thought I had an addictive personality. I would find a new interest, a new thing to keep me occupied, and I would spend my whole time doing that thing. I'd get so involved in it, it would consume me that I would often forget about the things that matter in my life. And it could have been anything. It could have been, it could be a hobby or just a Netflix show or something. It just consumed my whole time. It would suck my whole time and I would ignore everything else in my life. 
It wasn't until I was listening to a sermon one day online, I realized that I didn't have an addictive personality. I had something that the Bible tells us over and over again, from the beginning to the end. I had what we call idolatry, a problem with idolatry. We get so caught up in our idols that they consume us. They consume us so much, much that we become blind, deaf, and cold to everything in our life. Psalm 115 uh, describes this well. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. We may not carve our idols with gold and silver these days, but we put our hope in dozens of other things in this life. We put our hope in them so much, we want nothing more than comfort and security. These things become our fortress and our refuge. I have good health, so I will have a long and prosperous life. I have good finances in the bank, so I will have a comfortable life. I am well educated, so the opportunities in my life will be endless. I am young and have my whole life ahead of me. I am blessed, so I can relax and enjoy my life. We are ready, we are prepared, and we think we can endure anything. It's not like that, is it? In Luke 12, the parable of the rich fool, it says, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared whose will they be, so as the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. But perhaps that is not you. Perhaps you don't feel like that in your life. It's just been a constant struggle. In our struggle and anxiety, what do we do? We put our trust in the things of this world, the people of this world. We turn to something that will take our mind off of our struggles and our anxieties. We turn to something that will deaden our senses so we can escape. We turn to sin in a hope that something else will give us security. In our desperation to escape, we become weak and game. We become weak and game for the one that is waiting to attack us, the evil one. He sees our infirmity and our weakness. He wants nothing more to take advantage of our state of being. And he will take advantage and he will win unless our lives are built on a secure foundation. Anxiety and worries plagues us all. In his book, uh, Worry Less, Live More, Robert Morgan illustrates the fact that many in, many in our society are conscious of anxiety. He makes mention of Amazon and the use of uh, their Kindle reader, where you can read books electronically. 
when you highlight a certain verse, um, Amazon keeps a track of that. So when you're reading your Kindle, you can see what other people have been highlighting. And a while ago, they released all the top highlights from their best-selling books. This was written a while ago, so I think Harry Potter was on there. It was one of the most popular. But they also released the most highlighted verses in the Bible. And you might think, well, I can guess what they are. They could, it could be John 3.16. It could be Psalm 23. It could be the Lord's Prayer. It was actually a, mess, a passage that is maybe less popular. And it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And it reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and we forget that, don't we? God will guard us. He is the only one we can rely on. He is, he cannot, we cannot rely on the things of this world. They're all vanity. They're all but a breath. So we look for something more stable, more secure, a strong foundation, a rock, a fortress, Something that is immovable and cannot be shaken. When we find it, we need to hold on to it. You may have noticed that nearly half of this psalm today is repetitive. Verse 1, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Verse 2, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Verse 6, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Verse 7, And God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge in God. And in verse 8, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. <clears throat> David finishes with these words, Once God had spoken, twice have I heard this. That power belongs to God, and that you, O Lord, belong steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. God has spoken, and all power belongs to him. Our lives will pass away, and this world will pass away. And one day, we'll have to stand before God and give account of our lives. So my question is, where do you stand today? Are you putting your hope in temporary things? Or are you putting your hope in eternal things? There is no future in the temporal. And if you are consumed by the things of this world, looking for security, and what is but a breath, you will never be secure. There's only one place we can find security, and that is in a loving God. How do we acquire security? We find it in one person. His name is Jesus Christ. He is our rock and our redeemer. He is the only one where we can find true peace. He is the only one where we can find true salvation. He is the only one that can free us from the emptiness of this world. I'll leave you with some words from a letter written by Robert Murray McShane in 1840 to his friend George Shaw in Belfast. You've probably heard the name Robert Murray McShane before. If you follow the Bible reading plan, the McShane reading plan, it was him that created that. At the end of his letter, he quotes Jeremiah 17, 9. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Then he goes on to say in his letter to his friend George, Learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely, such infinite majesty, and yet such meekness and grace, and for all sinners, even the chief. Live much in the smiles of God, bask in his beams, feel his all-seeing eye settled on you in love, and repose in his almighty arms. Cry after divine knowledge, and lift up your voice for understanding. Seek her as silver, and search her as hidden treasure. And he finishes with this. Let your soul be filled with a heart-ravishing sense of the sweetness and excellency of Christ and all that is in him. Let the Holy Spirit fill every chamber of your heart and so there will be no room for folly or the world or Satan or the flesh. The world promises us many things but leaves us with an empty heart and that empty heart can only be filled by one person. His name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father, we give thanks for your word. We give thanks for this time together. We give thanks for your spirit. Um, help us, Father, as we go throughout the week. Help us not to put trust in the things of this world. Help us not to be anxious. Let the world not keep uh, pushing us over so we feel like there's nothing left. Help us look to you. Um, where we find all our strength um, and our refuge. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogotá.org.